Hour number two. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at com, And that is Callender with a K. Um, also at Pete Callender on the big old Twitter machine. All right, so a couple of uh, other pieces of legislation moving through the state legislature that I think you're probably going to want to be aware of. Uh, There are three, three bills related to guns, at least, and they got combined. Uh, So there was Senate Bill 40. That would repeal the pistol purchase permit laws that exist in North Carolina, and these were implemented during the Jim Crow era. I've talked about them at length. And uh, the uh, Democrats defending the Jim Crow era law, um, which is always kind of funny to me, you know, they being the ones to constantly cite Jim Crow 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0 as Republicans, you know, or at Republicans, which I guess, I mean, Democrats would know what Jim Crow era laws look like, given that they were the ones that were passing them all the time. Anyway, uh, Senate Bill 40 would repeal that Jim Crow era law which essentially forces everybody to go to the sheriff. If you would like to purchase a pistol, you got to go to the sheriff, you got to pay them some money, and then they will clear you. They will check to see if you got any kind of criminal history or any warrants out for you or uh, mental health stuff, adjudications of mental health, were you committed, that sort of stuff. Like a background check. And that's why the left loves it. Right. It's because in their mind, the pistol purchase permit is a sort of background check. And they are also oftentimes largely ignorant of what the laws are surrounding firearms. And so they think they hear that we want to get rid of the pistol purchase permit. And they're like, oh, my gosh, well, you're getting rid of a background check and everybody's going to be able to get guns. And they don't understand that the federal system already does this. It already does these things. And so what the what the Jim Crow era law here has been used for in the past and its original intent was to prevent black people from getting guns because they were being terrorized. And what better way to defend yourself from a mob of, you know, Klansmen burning crosses on your lawn than to be armed. And they did not want black folks to be armed. And so they made everybody go to the sheriff And the sheriff was an elected position. It's actually the oldest elected position in America. And so you'd go to the sheriff and the sheriff will just so happened to be a member of the Klan as well. And so guess who didn't get their uh, pistol purchase permits approved? Right. The people that the Klan didn't like. So let's get rid of this law. That's the idea. I'll come back to it. That's Senate Bill 40. Then there's also Senate Bill 41. This bill would eliminate a loophole that prevents gun owners with concealed handgun permits from carrying a concealed handgun during religious gatherings if the church meets on school grounds on other days of the week. And I say that with that kind of emphasis because there are a lot of stupid people that apparently do not understand what that means. (laughs) It really, no, I, I suspect they do. Like, I don't, I don't, I re- at this point, it's hard for me to believe that the people that are in the legislative uh, chambers that make these arguments are ignorant about 
these details. It's got to be bad faith at this point. These bills have been debated enough. These, what I'm about to say and what I just said about Jim Crow era laws and such, all of this stuff has been said to these lawmakers repeatedly because these are all bills that the Republicans have run before. The, so, so the opposition argument hasn't changed. They're still wrong. They're still making arguments that are based in uh, falsehoods. This is if you have a, a school and the school rents itself out to a church for a weekend, for a weekend service, right? Or let's say it's a church that operates a school. And so if you're going to have anybody on premises, you can't, they're not allowed to be uh, concealed carry. And so this would get rid of this loophole that apparently exists. And you've got this argument from Democrats who are saying that this is somehow or another going to be, um, it's going to make kids not safe. <laughs> teachers and, and students, it's going to make them unsafe. How does it make teachers and students unsafe? They're not there. Again, if the church meets on school grounds on other days of the week. There is also Senate Bill 67, and this one would establish a two-year statewide initiative to educate the public about the importance of safe, uh, safe storage of firearms. I'm all for that, too. By the way, you know, you, you know who does the most gun safety awareness programs? It's not the left-wingers who are all against gun violence. It's actually... Uh, the NRA, Second Amendment groups, <laughs> Second Amendment groups, they do the they do the most amount of training on gun safety. You would think that that would matter for something. You would think that the people who are against all the gun violence would engage in a lot more of the uh, of, you know safety training stuff. But um, Senator Jim Perry, Republican from Lenore, or as I refer to it, Lenoir spoke to critics of Senate Bill 41 who claim it would hinder school safety. He said, quote, we think this is very important. This is purely about allowing churches to safely worship if they happen to meet at a location that also has a school on different days. So we would ask that you ignore the hyperbole and focus on what this bill really is. During the Senate's Judiciary Committee meeting, Republicans rolled all three of these bills into one bill. Democrats opposed that move they want three separate bills. And by the way, on this, I understand. I have a very similar philosophy. I would like bills to be standalone as often as possible because I, I want to know if you, if you like, you know, Bill A, they shouldn't try to jam you up to vote for it by throwing something else in there that you don't agree with. Because you know you like Bill A, they know you would not vote for Bill B, and so they're going to throw B onto A and say you got to vote for both of them. I don't like that tactic. And that's what the Republicans are doing here. Because the Democrats would very much like to go on the record as voting to support the education campaign. And so Republicans throw it on there. And they're like, if you like the education part, then you should vote for... Um, these other two, they know they know most Democrats will not do it. Right. But here's the thing. They don't need most Democrats to do it. They just need one. <laughs> they just need one in the House. So this is the carrot. Hey, look, you could if you come along and you vote for these, uh, the repeal of pistol purchase permit 
which some moderate uh, Democrats might be willing to do. Some moderate Democrats might be willing to go along with the um, with the school uh, grounds portion, the, the church safety one. And all of the Democrats want to be part of the the education campaign, right? So this is to try to peel away a single Democrat vote in order to do what? Override the governor's veto, because that's what has already happened with these bills. Well, not the education component. Cooper vetoed the other two. Here's how AP reports it. Both chambers of North Carolina's General Assembly are once again advancing previously vetoed gun legislation in light of the GOP's election gains. Senate Republicans have lumped in a bipartisan provision um, with the two-year education campaign, which would also distribute free gun locks uh, in a move to force Democratic supporters of safe storage to support all three provisions or reject the initiative. One of the proposed measures that's generated the most backlash from the gun grabbers is to do away with the permit, the pistol purchase permit. State law currently directs county sheriffs to evaluate applicants and ensure the gun will be used for lawful purposes, right? So I was not aware, by the way, that one of the requirements to be uh, a sheriff in any one of the 100 counties of North Carolina was that you had to be able to tell the future. I did not know that. I was unaware, but apparently so. This is essentially what the law says, that the the sheriff has to uh, vouch for what the, the good moral character or something. Forget how the language of the law actually reads. Well, how how is a sheriff of, let's say, Mecklenburg County supposed to know everybody in the county and their their moral character? But to the AP's credit, many buyers, they say, would still undergo mandatory national background checks. Right. Yes, they do. And the bill sponsors argue those are comprehensive enough to remove the additional state requirement. However, um, a national background check is not mandatory for private gun sales, which only require North Carolina buyers to obtain a sheriff-issued permit or face a misdemeanor charge. So this is what they're afraid of, private gun sales. Which right now, if you want to sell me a pistol, I am a... uh, All right. So, well, I am a concealed carry permit holder, um, but let's say I'm not, or how about this? I'm a concealed carry permit holder. You are not. If I wanted to sell you this pistol, you would have to give me the pistol purchase permit from the sheriff that you went down to the sheriff's office to obtain for like $5. You would have to give that to me. If this law becomes, uh, if this bill becomes law, then you don't have to present that to me. Now, if I'm selling a, a, a rifle, I still don't have to do that. There's no there's no rifle purchase permit. I can sell you the rifle, a private sale. Now, would I ever do that? I would not. <laughs> I would not do so. Unless I knew you were a concealed handgun permit holder, I would not sell you anything. That's me. That's just me. So this is, a, it's a Pete tweet from an account called The Last Six Months. And uh, this is nothing more than an attempt to gain more control via mass disarming of the ruled class. Many churches have armed security teams. This bill is unconstitutional. What rule? What? 
the bill is unconstitutional, 41 is unconstitutional. An attempt to gain more control via mass disarming of the ruled class. I think it does the opposite of that. I may be missing something, though. Maybe I'm missing something in the, the tweet translation. Here's another one. Pete, did you hear Pat McCrory earlier today criticize the repeal of the PPP, which is the pistol purchase permit law, and his support for red flag laws? It was disappointing, and he should be ashamed to call himself a conservative. He even applauded himself for fighting against GOP efforts to bring these measures forward while he was governor. He failed to recognize that sheriffs support the repeal and conveniently left out Sheriff McFadden's slow-rolling concealed handgun permits uh, here in Mecklenburg County. So I did not hear Pat McCrory's uh, comments this morning, and uh, I got another message here from Jay who seems to confirm that McCrory was on this morning stating that the permits are a good idea because they are kind of like red flag laws in more rural counties. And like DeSantis, McCrory likes red flag laws. McCrory also thinks he is a conservative Republican, says. Well, I mean, in Pat's defense, I think he says he doesn't know what any of the labels mean anymore (laughs) in politics, it seems like. Because everybody is uh, calling everybody else rhinos and this and that. Look, I've said this from the very beginning on the red flag laws. I've said it from the very beginning. I like the concept, the idea. I just don't know how you get there. I don't know how. Uh, right? Yeah, if there's some way. like, And and look, that's one of the rules. This is, this is what drives me nuts in this entire debate. These things, al- some of these things already exist. Right? Rather than getting more laws... How about we enforce the ones we already have? We have systems, right? One of the church shooters from out west, I think it was Colorado or somewhere, or maybe Texas. Remember, this guy was a former military person, but he had he was a prohibited buyer. He was not allowed. To, he had been dishonorably discharged, and you don't get to buy a gun. But for some reason, I think it was the Air Force, they never, they never reported his name to Nick's. So there was a, a speaker at uh, one of the, I guess at one of the hearings, and uh, yeah, here it is, Stormy Ingold, the mother of a young adult son with bipolar disorder, told senators that North Carolina's pistol purchase uh, requirement, the permit re- uh, requirement, is the only thing that has blocked him from purchasing a handgun in the state. Her son passes the national background check, she said, but does not pass the more thorough mental health assessment required to obtain a permit from their local sheriff's office. There's a mental health assessment required to get a to get a purchase purchase permit. You have to go and meet with a psychiatrist to get a permit. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. Now, she said she now we are we have to take her at her word here that he's passing the national one. But for some reason, he isn't getting screened or that he isn't passing at the the sheriff level. Now, maybe the sheriff knows him or something. But here's the. um, So I did a little research because that's it's what I do. Here is the pistol purchase permit website for uh, for the sheriff of Wake County. And it says applicants uh, are required to to be the following or do the following. Got to be 18 valid Proof of residency in Wake County. Got to have a valid government-issued ID. (gasps) Suppression. Resident aliens. You have to bring your resident alien card. Uh, Military personnel. If you've been discharged, you got to bring your DD-214, right? Because if you're dishonorable, then you don't get to buy the gun. 
Naturalized citizens, you've got to bring your naturalization certificate or a valid U.S. passport. U.S. citizens born outside of uh, the USA, they got got to bring a birth certificate or consular report. You cannot be convicted of any felony or similar offense in any jurisdiction or currently under indictment for any felonious offense. So what does that one require to work? Reporting, right? You got to make sure that all of the records are actually attached to this individual. So if they attempt to purchase, right, the flag comes up on the NICS system. You cannot be a fugitive from justice. You must not be an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana, any depressant, any stimulant or narcotic. And you must not be adjudged incompetent on grounds of mental illness, nor have been committed to any mental institution. Okay? So that's what the that's what the state requires. Let's take a look at what Nix requires. Oh, a person under indictment. Okay. A person convicted of a misdemeanor crime, which includes the use or attempted use of physical force. So, no. Oh, a person who is cohabitating or has cohabitated in the past with with such a person. The subject of a protective order. Somebody who has renounced the U.S. citizenship. A person dishonorably discharged. A person who being an alien except as provided in subsection blah, blah, blah has been admitted. Um... A person adjudicated mental defective or involuntarily committed to a mental institution, including dispositions to criminal charges of found guilty by reason of insanity or found incompetent to stand trial. So it's already in there. So that's already part of the next system. Huh. I wonder what the sheriff is doing extra in Wake County. So we've got uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of opposition getting kicked up over these three, well, two of the three gun bills that the legislature in Raleigh is uh, rerunning because they ran them before and they got vetoed. And then the Republicans did not have enough votes to override the governor's veto last time around. So here they are coming again because they've got enough votes in the Senate. They have a supermajority in the Senate. They're one vote short of a supermajority in the House. So they're hoping to be able to peel off one single Democrat to override Governor Cooper's veto. Now, couple this with the um, development from the weekend where Governor Cooper's endorsed candidate for the Democratic Party chairmanship, Bobby Richards, uh, Bobby Richardson, was defeated by a 25-year-old grassroots activist. Okay. Richardson had the backing. She's a former state lawmaker. She had the backing of every single one of the Council of State members that are Democrats, all of the congressional delegation that are Democrats. She had what was considered to be the, quote, establishment backing, right? And she lost pretty handily. So now I don't know what this means for Roy Cooper, because on the one hand, you, you could theoretically say that he's now wounded. He's in a lame duck session. He's now wounded after this defeat, and it was an embarrassment for him. And, you know, if he's trying to be sort of the kingmaker and anybody that wants to run for office and raise a bunch of money and all this stuff, anybody wants to be a power player, uh, they got to come kiss the ring of the Cooper machine. And so that suffered, that idea suffered grievous injury over the weekend, right? So maybe there, maybe there are some opportunities for Republicans to, to pick somebody up. But on the other hand, I could see it as, there, there are 
now pressures from the grassroots that some of these more moderate folks might not be willing to cross that grassroots organization. And if they are, you know, rabid anti-gun, then you don't want to you don't want to show up on their radar. You know, I don't know. That's, I mean, that that's my calculation, what I'm looking at, or calculus, I should say. Like, I'm trying to look at how these uh, lawmakers view Cooper. Because last uh, for the last now, uh, what, since he won, so we're going on six years now, right? He was the only way that Democrats had to stop any legislation, and he kept them all in line because he has super PAC money that he would put against you. And he did that. He carried through on that threat. He ousted Kirk Devier. Because Kirk Devier had worked with Republicans one too many times. And uh, so they brought in Val Applewhite and she ousted Devier. Well, if that's, uh, you know, I should say, message received, you have all of the Democrats that then would flip their votes. They would vote for a piece of legislation and then down comes the veto. And then they would turn around and change their vote so they would not cross Cooper, not override his veto. And it worked. So Cooper's threats against them, his his bullying and muscling worked. Now, and, and and some of them flat out said it. You know, governors of my party, he tells me to to sustain his veto. I'm going to do so. Like that, it was just right out there on the table. One of them said. So maybe Cooper's power wanes, and maybe some people are able to uh, join the Republicans on some of these things. The. Pistol purchase permit was first used during the Jim Crow era to prevent black people from obtaining weapons. This is even in the AP story. See, the, this is why messaging matters. This is why, like when I talk about these topics and I keep hammering away at certain ideas, you know how long we have been calling this law Jim Crow era? We've been calling it that long before the Democrats started using Jim Crow era to describe voter ID. That's how long I at least have been calling this a Jim Crow era law in North Carolina because it is, and that was its purpose. And I would never see it referred to as such. This I think is the first time I have ever seen it referred to as such in a mainstream media publication. If it's not the first, it's probably only the second, maybe third. It is rare enough for me to actually notice it. Marcus Bass, he is um, with the North Carolina Black Alliance. Don't know what that is, uh, but he told a House committee that the requirement is not duplicative or racially discriminatory and is an important safeguard against gun violence and suicides. Okay, so he's the he's the guy from the particular organization who gets up there and 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 says it's okay that this racist law is still on the books, it's totally fine because sheriffs don't use it to enforce racism now. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the word. What is the word that the left uses for black Republicans and conservatives who sell out or who try to make political points in service to a larger structural organization of political influence. I'm trying to think there is a term for it. Ah, it'll come to me. And that's when we get this comment from Stormy Ingold, who says the only reason that her son has not been able to get a, 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 a firearm in Wake County is because 
of the pistol purchase permit. She claims that her son passes the national background check, but can't get past the Wake County Sheriff. And she said, I thank God for that requirement. If he buys a gun and hurts himself, that's blood on their hands. So I also went, when I looked up that the rules are the same at the federal level and at the state level, I mean, except for the court, uh, the, the part in the law at the state level that says that the sheriffs would be like judging of your moral character. I mean, the feds can't do that. I would submit GovCo can't do that. A sheriff that doesn't know you can't do that. And even if they could, I don't know how they would know that if, you know, if you don't, if you, if none of these prohibited categories uh, pertain to you, on what grounds would the sheriff have to not allow you to buy a gun? Well, he doesn't think you're a good person. Okay, so his opinion of my moral character matters. How? He's a government agent. What if my view of his moral character isn't great? Right? What if I what if I had an affair with his wife? Right? And that's why he thinks I don't have a good moral character. Maybe that's why. The list that is in Nick's is actually longer. But you know me. I'm a giver. <clears throat> I'm all about solutions. And so this woman who says that uh, if not for this law, her son would have already purchased a gun because the Knicks doesn't pick it up. So first off, um, you can you can actually nominate somebody for the Knicks list. If you're a police officer, um, a mental health professional, or concerned family friend, you can contact the agency who maintains the documentation on the person who is prohibited from receiving firearms. That agency varies by state if you have questions uh, on which agency to contact, they have a link there that you can contact them, right? So if you have somebody from a mental health professional, right, you, that your son is seeing, and they don't want your son getting the gun, and you don't want your son getting the gun, then you can go and have that mental health professional contact the NICS system. Have you done that? I wonder if this mom has done that. If, if, he's, if he's clearing background checks at the federal level and you claim that he shouldn't be able to, you need to make sure that he can't clear the background check at the federal level, no? Because what if he moves out of state? That's what I mean. <clears throat> there are so many people that are engaged in this, in this topic, this debate on Second Amendment issues, and I'm astounded how often they know nothing about what they're talking about. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not no expert on firearms and such. Usually whenever I start doing one of these topics, I have to kind of bring out all my files, reacquaint myself with the laws and stuff. But this one was easy. I just typed in, you know, Google Wake County Sheriff's Office permit rules and Nick's permit rules. And look at that. It's all right there. Compare. Oh, it's all the same. And you can actually do something about it rather than go and speak at a hearing. Every, uh, every other sheriff except for like Mecklenburg and Wake and Buncombe. They're all they're, they're all in favor of it. The, 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 the State Sheriff's Association is in favor of repealing this. We'll see. A couple other bills in Raleigh. Happy hours. People are always amazed when they move here from other places and find out, first off, uh, that like everybody is from someplace else. But then they also are amazed uh, that our government sells our liquor. But also they are amazed there are no happy hours. They remain illegal in this state why nobody is happy.
for any uh, any amount of time. On Monday, a bipartisan group of state lawmakers filed a bill that would allow individual cities and counties to legalize limited time drink specials and promotions. So this is being uh, run by Republican Representative Jason Sane from the uh, great county of Lincoln and uh, like Lincoln County, not Abe Lincoln being from there, but Lincoln County. Uh, Anyway, he's the bill's lead sponsor. And uh, he said, quote, the restaurant and bar owners certainly want it. With North Carolina growing like we have, you end up with people from many different places who are just used to having happy hour. It's just part of their culture. Um, A similar bill was filed last year but never passed. For the Republican-controlled legislature, any bills that loosen restrictions on alcohol sales can be tricky to navigate politically. The GOP supporters in the business community tend to want such rules, but many religious activists oppose them. Those who support the state's current relatively strict alcohol rules say they help public safety by discouraging drinking. But supporters of looser restrictions say they're just trying to bring the state's alcohol laws out of the Prohibition era and into the 21st century. Something to always keep in mind in North Carolina about this issue, that everything we have by way of law on alcohol, uh, it is all because of Prohibition. We were the first state to ban it, uh, and we were the last state to repeal. Yeah, North Carolina and the the people of North Carolina led the effort to get prohibition. So that's even when they remember a couple of years ago, there was the big fight about the beer distributors, a lot of craft breweries, and they get popular, and then they have to stop selling outside of particular markets because there's a distribution cap, and they they were hitting. You make too much, you got to run it all through the government approved warehouse distribu- uh, distributions, and then you lost control of your marketing because now the distributor is in control and they're going out and selling all of the beers that they offer. And now you're one of, you know, a hundred beers rather than you having a sales guy going out and making those calls, making those pitches and all that. So all of this, and by the way, this is a piece by Will Duran at WRAL. And um, he's got a quote here from Jason saying that says, we've gone in the last two decades from what I would call the hell no caucus where they wouldn't go for anything to now we can actually have some conversations about it. So in other words, we went from the hell no caucus to the, Oh heck maybe caucus. Um, they are following a, uh, a pattern here though. They're looking at the brunch bill. Remember that, that allowed for alcohol sales before noon on Sundays. And they did the brunch bill and it got passed because it allowed for local control. It allowed for local control. Um, the cities and counties got to decide for themselves. Uh, here's another bill might be interested in. Tim Moffitt from Western North Carolina is running this one. Booking photos, your mug shots, now going to be confidential if this law is approved. They will not be considered public records, and public law enforcement agencies would be prohibited from publishing, distributing, or releasing the booking photos. Public law enforcement agency may release a booking photo Uh, When it is a record of a criminal investigation related to a missing persons report, a court of competent jurisdiction may order the release of a mugshot upon a showing by the person requesting the disclosure that it is actually necessary for immediate law enforcement needs. So no more mugshots, I guess. Uh, I don't know what those websites are going to do to scam people anymore. 
That's going to be, man, that's a that's going to be a tough business for them to be in. In a related story, apparently Beth Wood, the auditor, has been driving around with another state vehicle, even though she was not allowed to do so. That's a. Uh, oh, I'm sure we would all be treated the same. All right, after the uh, news here, an update on the Alec Murdoch trial. Seems like a lot of big stuff dropping today in court. I'll bring you the latest. Stick around. Thank <laughs> you.